Hi guys, welcome back to Alamat, where we translate and narrate Philippine myths, urban legends, and horror stories to share with the world. For the next couple of weeks, I have a series that I would like to share with you guys. The series was sent over by Ermitaño, and for the next few weeks, I will be sharing the stories of his friends that he heard while they were camping out in the mountains. This is Ermitaño's Hiking and Camping Horror Stories. Our 16-seater van was flagged down for an inspection. A fat police officer smiled at us and motioned Harold to roll down our window. He spoke as soon as Harold did so. Boss, where are we headed to? He looked past Harold and glanced at us. To Mount Cristobal, sir, Harold replied. We could see the policeman's demeanor change as soon as Harold mentioned our destination. Boss, forgive me for intruding, but several tourists got lost in that mountain just recently. He removed his cap and wiped his face with a handkerchief and continued. They were later found dead. Don't worry, sir. This guy, Joffrey, tapped Harold's shoulder, and I am a veteran in mountain climbing. Harold nodded in agreement. We've actually been on that mountain several times, added Harold. The policeman looked at me and looked back at Harold. He's our mountaineering club's new member. We'll take good care of him, don't worry, Harold explained, after which the policeman nodded. Take care, boss, he said, as he motioned us to proceed. When we drove past, a steady rain came, which served as yet another dire omen that screamed that we should not proceed with this climb. The mountains are amazing teachers, Erwin, and some of us learn more from them than we could from books. Harold told me as he chewed on boiled sweet potato. He is the leader of our mountaineering club. Like his best friend Joff, Harold is in his 40s. But unlike Joff, Harold is still a bachelor. He had the penchant to do gross stuff just to make people laugh. It's a hit with us, his friends, but it could be a huge turn-off if a girl sees it. It's actually probably the reason why he's still single up until this time. With regards to his appearance, Harold has curly hair and is one of those people that you see their gums when they laugh. And actually, he laughs a lot. Being the newest member of their mountaineering club, they invited me to go trekking and camping last year. I didn't know what got into me when I agreed. I'm not an outdoor type of person, although I looked like a hermit due to my long and unkept hair, mustache, and beard. I have a habit of making elaborate stories about myself. You could call it grandiose stories, and the sole purpose is to make myself look good. Of course, people who know me would always roll their eyes whenever I start telling stories, especially if I make myself brave because they know that I'm one of the biggest cowards in a circle. Due to my appearance, I have been mockingly called an ermitaño in the local dialect, which literally means a hermit. 
being bald in the front of my head and only having long hair on the sides makes for a dramatic effect in my stories. I left it entirely up to Harold and Joff to pick where we would go and what we would do because it was my first time. They decided to go to Mount San Cristobal. I have learned later that locals also called the place Devil's Mountain. Only if I knew this beforehand, I would have thought twice before going there. When we arrived at the base of Mount San Cristobal, it was raining, so I felt bored and lazy. Harold and Joffrey have been mountaineering for over five years, and it has become a habit for them to do so every two to three months, at the very least. Climbing has become a form of addiction for them. We were the only ones who made the trek because the other members were too busy at the time. Joff mentioned that he can feel that I was getting bored. When Harold invited me for the first time, I was so excited, he said. I don't want to start our trek wet, I told them. Besides, I lack protective gear for the rain, as I just bought a new tent. I have an extra raincoat in the trunk of the car. But I don't want to start the trek yet as well, Harold remarked. Since it was still early and it was still raining, I asked them to share ghost stories while we were waiting for the rain to stop. Harold stopped the car engine, made himself comfortable, looked at us intently, and started to narrate his story. This is a story that I don't often tell since it does not only send chills to my bones, but also it saddens my heart. I looked at the rear mirror of the van and saw Erwin stroking his long hair and Joff inspecting his knife while listening attentively. Oh, is this the same story, Harold? Joff asked. He always tell it over a campfire, he added. I haven't read it yet. Go ahead, proceed. Erwin interrupted Joff. I laughed, plucked my nose, and grabbed some more sweet potato to munch on while telling my story. Joff and I attended the same high school, which is a public school in a remote barangay in Caloocan City. The school was once a place where murder victims were dumped. We actually have a term for it. We called it the salvage area. Salvage or summary execution was still rampant at the time. I was a sophomore back then, and I was a Boy Scout troop leader. It was the first ever school camping event. I remember Joff did not attend because he was sick and was hospitalized. Yeah, I remember that, Joff confirmed to Harold. The event started in the morning with a very long program that included the investiture then followed by games in the afternoon. During the nighttime, different tents were built in the school grounds, one for each troop that joined the overnight camping. The teachers, however, were assigned rooms where they could monitor us and rest or sleep as well. To be honest, I had a huge crush on one of the new teachers, and I could see her from time to time, but I didn't really know which class she was in or even what subject she was teaching. 
One time, I approached her, and I asked for her name. She said her name is Miss Christine Baton. She was one of the youngest and one of the most beautiful teachers in the school. On the school grounds, a flag was tied in front of each tent. It was imprinted with the insignia or name of each troop. One of the patrols or troops' goal was to be vigilant and preserve their flag, which could be stolen by others. This also means that the team with the most flags in the morning will be the winner. Marshals were deployed to guarantee that the rules were observed. They were tasked to catch anyone outside the tent except the troop leader. I was allowed to walk outside the tent and visit the teacher's rooms because I was a squad leader. I saw Miss Baton alone in the corridor waving at me. I went outside the tent and dashed to the teacher's room, but she was not there. Another teacher, my class advisor, asked me to clean the faculty restroom. I decided to impress the teachers, so I did not delegate the task to my subordinates. So I went alone to the restroom. I turned on the lights and took a pail of water and sprinkled some liquid bleach on the floor and began mopping it when I heard knocking sounds. I assumed that it was coming from the door, so I went out thinking that it was Miss Baton. I opened the door and looked outside and saw no one. Then there it was again. The knocks were more forceful this time. This was when I realized that they were coming from inside the mirror. My heart skipped a beat and I was nervously focused on my sight in the mirror. I swallowed hard and slowly approached the mirror. The tapping became louder as I neared. I touched the mirror and examined my own reflection in the mirror. But suddenly, the lights in the restroom turned off. At first, I thought someone played the prank on me. But when the hand grabbed my arm from inside the mirror, that was when the panic set in. Instinctively, I took a step back and fell on the floor. When I looked back, I saw a woman in a white dress in the mirror. She was looking at me blankly. The woman's face was full of veins that were reddish to purplish in color. She had this long black hair and had no eyes or eyebrows. There was nothing but a large black hole where eyes were supposed to be. Her lips had been sewn as well. I scrambled to flee, but I stumbled and fell again on the slick floor. My head hit the wall and it made me dizzy. When I looked back to the mirror, I saw the white lady literally climbing out of it. I hurriedly tried to open the door, but it wouldn't open. I cried and screamed for help. I felt that I was about to pass out from the fright. In my panic, I did not notice that the white lady was already fully out of the mirror. She was standing still, her back facing the mirror. I wiped my eyes with my arms as I saw that she had no reflection in the mirror. Indeed, the mirror just reflected the walls and the door of the restroom. I was sweating profusely that time. I took the mop and raised the handle to protect myself. I was taken aback 
when I saw that the feet of the lady was turned backward. I heard the cracking of her bones when she sharply bent backward and crawled near me. The door unexpectedly opened and I saw some teachers who heard my screams rush in. I pointed at the white lady, but it was not there anymore. The teachers readily dismissed my account of the white lady as a hallucination, probably induced by inhaling the chemicals on the bleach. They brought me to the faculty room after I cleaned myself up. I took the opportunity to look for Miss Paton, but I did not see her there. I peered at the window and saw the gorgeous teacher waving at me. I went outside and walked down the corridor to her. I was surprised that she was interested in talking about the lady in white. The woman might be a vengeful spirit or someone asking for help, according to Miss Baton. She claimed that the school used to be a dumping ground for murder victims. It used to be covered in tall grass. And because of its secluded location, there were reports of persons being raped, slain, and dumped in the place. I accidentally touched her hand when I held the railings of the corridor and realized it was frigid. She quickly removed her hands and smiled awkwardly. We talked for several minutes and she mentioned something about the mirror in the toilet, but I was too distracted by one of my troop members who summoned me. I punished him because he looked past Miss Baton and did not greet her, or had given the teacher the proper courtesy. After he performed 20 push-ups, I waved at Miss Baton while pointing at our tent. She smiled and nodded. When I glanced back at my troop member, I saw him looking at me in a bewildered fashion while scratching his head. I ignored him and told him to hurry back first to our tent and to gather our troops. I was looking for Miss Baton during the award ceremony, but she wasn't there until the conclusion of the camping event. I was already worried something happened to her because I still did not see her. So... I decided to ask some of the teachers about her whereabouts. To my surprise, no one seemed to know who Miss Baton was. Suffice it to say that I did not see her again. I was heartbroken. Time passed and I was assigned to clean in our school library. Hanging on the wall in our librarian's office, I spotted a picture of a lady that seemed familiar. She was wearing a white dress. I looked at the caption below the frame, and what was written on it was the name Miss Christine Baton. And after further digging and inquiring about the history of her school, I found out that she was one of the school's founding teachers 40 years ago and was reported missing. The building was later demolished to make way for a bigger one as the number of students increased. Human bones were discovered cemented to the walls where the mirror was positioned in the faculty restroom. The bones were cremated and interred in a columbarium. At the end of my story, I saw Irwin biting his nails. So I asked, You're not scared of that story, are you? Who? Me? Scared? Irwin stopped biting his nails and sat erect. Never. I have faced a lot of supernatural creatures before. He was not finished with his sentence yet when Joff made the sound of a hissing cat and touched Irwin's leg. Irwin jumped and wet himself.
what do you guys think of this week's story? If you want to hear the other stories in this series, hit like and subscribe. And if you are enjoying the content, don't forget to share this to your friends and family. If you have stories you would want me to narrate, you can send them over at mralamatph at gmail.com. Salamat guys, and see you in the next one.